Welcome back to a brand new campaign for the Hideous Laughter Podcast. We are thrilled to be bringing you the Skulls and Shackles Adventure Path in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I'm your host and Game Master, Griffin. For those of you that are just tuning in for this season and didn't tune in last season and don't know who I am, I am the main Game Master of Hideous Laughter Productions. I GM'd our first edition Carrying Crown campaign that was on this feed. If you're into first edition, go back about 100 episodes or 300 episodes and check it out. I GM the Bestow Curse podcast. And I'm a player on some of our Patreon shows. But that's enough about me because I have a whole cast of characters and players to introduce you to. And so I think I'll start where I often start, which is to my left. So the one, the only, my perpetual co-host who is in everything that I have ever been in and is one of the best players out there, folks. One of the best players out there. Consistently good roles. Well, I I won't give him that, but I will give him (laughs) consistent enthusiasm because he's consistently a good time. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Strapple. You're going to make me blush over here, Griff. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, Like Griff, you indicated, I'm on basically everything we do here. 99% of the time, I'm a player. Sometimes you can catch me hosting Zone of Truth, our like behind the scenes slash recap slash all catch all show. It's always a good time, but I love being here. I'm so excited for Skull and Shackles. You know, if you're a brand new person, I'm going to give you the 411 real quick on what's going on with me. Love Ham's beer, Malort, Twilight, Star Wars, vampires in general. Uh, am I missing anything? Nope. That's your general interest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So Steve has been on the podcast network for the entirety of its run. Uh, I think we concepted Hideous Laughter podcast five or six years ago uh, in a toy store and have been playing and growing the network ever since. And, uh, and you know, Steve's been, as he said, running the Zone of Truth, our side show where you get to go behind the scenes uh, and playing in each and every one of our campaigns. Steve, what brought you to, uh, to role-playing? Oh boy. So this is a little bit of a deep pull here. Um, entered kind of late in life, uh, to, to role-playing games. Uh, it was like the very last year of college. Um, I had a, I had a roommate at the time, Tim, who you can catch on our speak with plant show. That's the behind the Patreon paywall one. Um, but he had a fascination with it. So he wanted to run me and a couple of my friends through a star Wars RPG Uh, It was a total mess, but it was so much fun that um, when we kept living together after college, he said, hey, let's try Pathfinder First Edition. So we played Rise of the Rune Lords uh, with some of the other folks on this show who will introduce themselves shortly. And the rest is kind of history. When you invited to me uh, to be on the Hideous Laughter podcast originally, I said, that's absolutely something I got to do. Been having so much fun rolling and doing funny voices and doing fun stuff in character that... I had to join up and I've never looked back. Never looked back. 
past is far behind us. That's right, baby. The future never exists. Well, we got to move around the table here, and I want to introduce next the the intellect, the Disney connoisseur, the always surprising but also equally always delightful Emily Campbell. Hello, Emily. Hello. Thank you for such a kind introduction. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I have also been around in the Hideous Laughter production since the beginning. I started with the Carrying Crown campaign. And uh, as Steve mentioned, I also started playing with Tim doing Rise of the Rune Lords. And I actually had not played with this whole group before I got brought in for the podcast, which was pretty cool. And such a unique experience getting to play with everyone for the first time at such a high storytelling level. I've continued to play on other shows that we've done. I haven't been in all of them, but I've been in quite a few. And I just really enjoy getting to tell a different story and bring a different energy through the different characters that I've played. Well, great. We are absolutely thrilled that uh, we could get you on again because you play so many, play in so many of our shows. Um, and I, I just don't think it would be right if we went into season two without our season one friends. And so with that in mind, I'm going to kick it to Campbell number two, the HLP wild card. Always good for a laugh, always even better for something out of left field, but always the most fun player at the table. Welcome to the show, Brooks Campbell. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, much appreciated. I'm, I'm super excited to be, to be back. I don't think I need to reiterate uh how I how I started, but if if you do or if anyone listening wants to hear me for the first time, I am on Carrying Crown and others. Some of the Link Legacy, yeah, yeah. But it's been a while, and I think it was it was a healthy, good break, and I'm I'm super excited to be to be playing Tui. And back with back with everyone, everyone else here. It, it's it's been a while. I listened to Bestow Curse and see myself at the table with you guys, and and I miss it. I miss it. So I'm 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 very excited. We'll miss it no longer because you have just signed up for another weekly show, my friend. <laughs> so you're stuck with us for a little while. The bench has been sufficiently warmed. Get back on the court, Brooks. Let's go. Well, next around the table, you may know her as the most contagious laugh on the podcast, but I think you'll also recommend her to several of your friends if they want to know how to confuse and baffle, but also stump and delight your GM. How to have the most items, the most abilities, and the most outrageous technique for playing the game that somehow always works. Ladies and gentlemen, my wife, Haley Norman. Hi. Hi, honey. <laughs> what an introduction. Um, I just, I like my characters to have variety, okay? It's the spice of life. Yeah. Well, 
How'd you get into our role playing? I know. The listeners may not. Yeah. Back when Pokemon Go came out, <laughs> Griffin and I went out uh, on the Pokemon Go bar crawl with one mission, which was to find someone to GM us because we had interest in playing and figured there's probably a GM at this Pokemon bar- Go bar crawl. So, went out, we found one, and have been playing since then. Um, but I started as a player. Uh, I was a player in multiple things before I started being the player on the Carrying Crown um, podcast. I'm the player. I'm a player in the Bestow Curse, of course, and then I'm a player in uh, multiple Link Legacy. But now I am the GM for Speak with Plants. My GM style is loose with the capital L. Yeah, I I. <laughs> a, the players have a lot of fun in my games. And Net tighter wizard sleeves. Have been doing a lot of very kooky things, and I think everyone's been having a great time. Uh, they're all plants, and that's that's fun. All plants. Leshies, yeah, leshy game. Well, not all, all leshies, plant all, traits. All plant traits. <laughs> and uh, playing Iron Fang Invasion, and that's been really, really fun. I'm super excited to be a pirate, though, now. I just, I can't wait. My play style goes well with pirates. Well, <laughs> you'll have to wait just a bit longer because on this show, unlike on the Carrying Crown podcast, we have decided to add a fifth player. I think this person is the most coveted and best asset we have added to the network thus far. He has led us deep into system mastery through games and out the other side while remaining one of the most chaotic people I know. And we are so thrilled to have Chris Marino on the podcast. Chris, welcome to the show. Yo. Hello. hello. I'm so happy to be here. Long time Carrying Crown fan. First time player on uh, this feed. Long term. Well, much deserved coming to the main show. Welcome to the big leagues. Yeah, it's been great. As you know, I got into uh, role-playing games with you guys in the Starfinder campaign, surprisingly, that Haley was running. Uh, Starfinder being the surprising part of the introduction, <laughs> not that running. I w- I'd wanted to play these games for a while, and when I knew you guys were playing them, I hopped on anything I could. And from that, it transitioned to Return of the Rune Lords with Tim running us uh, through stuff, and then playing with you guys on Bestow Curse and all these like, legacy shows and Speak with Plants. Uh, I got a little a little Tui module uh, up in Legacy called Malevolence, and I'm running a little Stolen Fates home game. So I like to I like to roll dice and and play on microphone, off microphone, all the time. So very happy to be here. Great, we're happy to have you. I'll speak a little bit about my experience as a GM because uh, we talked about how Haley and I got into role playing games, but I have been a game master of Paizo Systems for. I want to say almost eight years now, because I think that's how long we've been playing them. Uh, it started with Rise of the Rune Lords. It moved uh, quickly to Carrion Crown and uh, exploded from there into a second edition conversion of Curse of the Crimson Throne, multiple modules, uh, home games, all that kind of stuff. So I've been game mastering first edition for a long time, game mastering second edition for almost since it came out when we played some Plague Stone. And uh, 
even dabbled in a little bit of Starfinder, although I uh, I tip my hat to Haley because I'm not a good game master of that. <laughs> and so here we find ourselves the culmination of multiple weeks off, multiple months of preparation, and we're playing Skull and Shackles, which is my favorite first edition adventure path. Oh, oh I didn't know that. Yeah, it is right up there because pirates are my favorite thing. And so, with that in mind, the Skull and Shackles Adventure Path is Paizo's premier pirate adventure path. The Shackles are Paizo's Caribbean setting. Uh, the Skull is indicative of how deadly this adventure is going to be. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was a Jolly Roger thing. That's not good news. No, it's not good news. It's bad Shit. news. It's bad news. But this adventure is so chock full of pirate tropes that I just want to go around the table and ask, what is the most exciting piratey thing that you're looking forward to in this adventure? Oh, yeah. Because if we go around the table now, I want to get these ideas. And nine out of ten times, I think it's already going to be in the adventure. Mm -hmm. But if it's not... I'm adding it in because I want to make sure all your piratey dreams are fulfilled from this adventure. So I know for me, the biggest pirate thing that I love is the ship to ship combat aspect of piracy, the chasing down other ships, the taking other ships for your own. But I really love the stories of kind of ne'er-do-well but anti-hero swashbucklers, buccaneers. I, I don't like the cold-hearted, terrible, evil pirates as much as I like the, um, the more noble pirates. And so I think that bodes well for an adventure path that has those kind of NPCs in it, uh, those kind of people to meet and look up to, although it does have the other kind. <laughs> and I think you'll probably butt heads with the other kind a little bit more. Uh, so I want to see swinging on ropes across ships. I want to see cannon fire. I want to see uh, grappling hooks across the way. I want to see people falling into water, getting eaten by sharks and ships sinking. And I already know I'm going to see all of that because I've read the adventure. So my pirate dreams check. All right. Well, for me, at least, uh, discovery is like a big aspect of the fun I have with these games. So anything from like locales to treasure, whatever, like an uncharted destination that has been lost to time and only the faintest rumor of a map exists of it is big for me. I want to go somewhere that is is rumored of, but no one's ever truly stumbled upon in hundreds of years and come across crazy lore or, or items and objects. You know, I'm all into that. I've got a couple things, but I, I want to mention this one because it ties like directly into what you just said, Chris. I love the aspect of piracy in like the Caribbean of, oh, we're these swashbucklers from the other side of the ocean. And look at there. Those are ancient ruins from a people that died out 600 years ago and a temple covered in vines and stuff and being able to find old runes and old treasure and stuff from a civilization you've never heard of. I think that exploration is so cool. Um, 
I love a broadside. I love <laughs> I love two ships coming right up next to each other and just pounding away until one of them sinks. I think that's the coolest thing in the world. And I think eye patches are super sexy. Oh, that's so. the pirates hello. The pirates hello broadside. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. I am also really excited about discovery and finding new places, adventure. But the discovery that excites me the most is finding some sort of a mythical creature or creature in the depths that maybe you hear rumors about, you maybe see a really long tentacle breach the surface, and then eventually, hopefully, we either make friends with it or we get to fight it. Some kind of sea beast. Yes. Kraken, perhaps. Ooh, perfect. Man, I... I'll I'll kind of piggyback on that for a slightly different reason. Um, I I am very excited for for creature discovery and, and fighting creatures and being lonely in the open ocean because it also terrifies me. Mm, kind of like uh, you know, old man in the sea, kind of. Kind of vibes. You're out there battling some big beast. Yes, yeah, and and the the knowledge that you can look down and there could be something absolutely massive, but you can't see it, and it has way way better agility and movement in the water than our character even our characters would and so it, not not having the movement and is is terrible so you, you almost like the you almost like the thalassophobia yeah. terror yeah, of being yeah. out in the ocean i like that that's that's something i wasn't expecting maybe i mean you'll certainly get that but <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited for the infamy like you're traveling to all these different ports and you're landing there and stories grow and they become more exaggerated and you go and like, what am I about to learn about myself? If I've become a big enough pirate, what yeah. am I about to learn about myself? Like that's how you know you've made it as a pirate. You start learning more new things about <laughs> you. Uh, and I just, I think that comes through all of these other things that you guys have been describing. I just, I'm, I'm really excited and hyped for that because I feel as though there's a lot of good pirate stories, and I sure would like to be a part of one. Sure, would like to be one. Yes. <laughs> well, hopefully, not only a story. Because if you're only a story, that assumes that you're no longer around. You didn't make it. That's why I said be part of one. <laughs> part. <just> of <laughs> sometimes dead's better. Yeah, sometimes dead is better. I'm very shocked nobody said the plunder. Nobody said the booty. None of the loot. I forgot. Oh. Yeah, I, yeah, well, you, yeah, guys, are, you guys are above such home. mortal squabbles. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think I get the infamy? I take the <laughs> shit. I loot. take them all. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's where we're going to have some, that's where we're going to clash a little bit. Like, the ship can't always be the loot. You need, you, there's like a minimum amount of people you need to pilot a ship. <laughs> yeah, right. I can also take everything off of the ship. Yes. And then sink that ship that. so that they can never have it. Solutions. But yeah, that's one way to, I guess, get your name out there. Although you need like one guy left, right? To tell the story. Yeah, you leave one floating on a 
Peace of the ship. They expect one in the shipwreck, brother. <laughs> <laughs> they have lifeboats, right? Yeah, they have lifeboats. Or, or, or doors. <laughs> doors. Yeah, well, they can only hold one person. Yeah, that, that's how you guarantee yeah. just oh, yeah. one. Yeah, single, single door. Yeah, you guarantee just one by leaving a door. You excited? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys ready to play? Yes. Yep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I will say one thing. We've been we've been off for a couple of months now. Uh, gee, I miss playing weekly with you guys. I'm so excited to get it back. Aw, thanks. Miss you guys too. We back, baby. We're back, baby. And so. If you all join me, I'd like to take us into the first scene of the adventure path. We see a large three-masted galleon with the name Her People's Will, and it sails south of Jeopardy Bay. Inside the captain's quarters, we see the walls adorned with the blue, black, and gold colors and eagle sigil of Andorin. Entering further, we see two men, one an old and grizzled pirate, and the other a fresh-faced young man. Captain Holigar Helmworthy leans over the weathered table, a map of the shackles unfurled before him. The flickering lantern casts shadows on the parchment as he points to the various islands and ports, recounting tales of adventure and danger. First he points to an island kind of in the middle of the shackles. Here be Devil's Arches, ruled by the flamboyant Edmonian. Smuggler's dens hidden in the arches, aye, where only the most daring dare to trade. Edmonian, a chelish pirate, controls the isles with an iron grip. His fortress, perched high above, watches over the treacherous waters. Then he moves his finger on the map to Bag Island, where cunning halflings play their games of profit. At this, he grins a bit. Bag Island, home to Jollis Raffles, a halfling with pockets deeper than the ocean, Watch your coin purse, for the gold here changes hands more often than a deck of cards in a pirate's den. The halflings here are clever traders, they're masters of persuasion and deception. However, they firmly resist slavery, like the good people of Andoran. Next, he points to the largest island on the map and nods towards the younger man. This be Motaku Isle, biggest in the shackles, where Tessa Fairwind rules with a savvy hand. A place where fortunes are made and lost with the turn of the tide. Trust is a commodity, and betrayal be the coin of the realm. Fairwind's influence extends far, and many pirates owe their allegiance to her. The captain's gaze shifts to an island called Tempest Cay, 
a storm-tossed isle on the edge of the region's never-ending hurricane, the Eye of Abendago. And he raises an eyebrow. Tempest Cay, where the Master of Gales holds sway, is where storms rage and the seas themselves seem to dance to his command. What secrets lie within those turbulent waters, none can say. A haven for pirates seeking refuge from the storms, but a perilous place where one must always watch the horizon. Then, with a hint of caution, he points towards Shark Island, with its cursed jungles and werewolf-infested shores. Shark Island be a cursed realm under the rule of Avamar Sorinash. Werewolves prowl the jungles, Sahogwin raid the coasts, and the ruins bear witness to a pirate's folly. Not a place for the faint-hearted lad. The jungles hide more than just beasts. Never be caught there under the light of a full moon. Finally, the captain traces from Shark Island towards Port Peril, the capital of the Shackles. And he smiles to the young man. And here we are, lad, on the brink of Port Peril, the heart of piracy, where every tale begins and ends. The pirate council rules, and Captain Kardak Bonefist, the Hurricane King, commands the respect of all those who sail these waters. Taverns, markets, and intrigue fill the streets. It's a place where alliances are forged and broken, and the wind whispers secrets that only the bravest dare to chase. Brace yourself, for the shackles will either make you or break you. Welcome to the untamed sea and the wild soul of a pirate. And get ready, lad, the shackles are about to welcome a new rogue into the fold. And with that, he furls up the map and claps the young man on the back, and they both proceed up to the main deck. And now our view shifts to the young buccaneer's vantage point. As we approach Port Peril, the rocky escarpments and bluffs that cup the deep harbor loom in the distance like the jagged teeth of some great sea monster. The town is a hive of activity with ships of all sizes coming and going from the docks. The smell of salt water and fish fills the air and the sound of seagulls echoes in the distance like a chorus of drunken angels. We dock at Crescent Harbor where the surly and hairless dwarven harbor master, Sojamin Carados, inspects our wares and speaks with Captain Helmsworthy before allowing us to cross over to the main docks. The harbor itself is a kaleidoscope of colors, with sails of every hue fluttering in the breeze like the wings of a thousand butterflies. We can see sailors and merchants going about their business, their faces weathered and tanned from years spent at sea. As we make our way through the town, we notice the various districts. We start in Beggarbriar, where the streets are narrow and crowded like the alleys of a medieval city. The buildings are made of wood and stone, and we can see the wear and tear of years of use etched into their facades like the lines in an old sailor's face. The air is filled with the sound of hammers and saws as the citizens work long hours to craft and sell ropes, sails, and other shipping supplies. 
We see several shops selling various nautical wares. You can't help but notice the quality of the workmanship here. The people are tough and weathered, but they're also friendly and welcoming to outsiders compared to many of the more insular towns on Galarian. We can almost taste the salt on their skin and feel the calluses on their hands as we observe them hard at work. Next, we head to Eastwind, where we see the finger-like bluff split into two distinct wards known as Low Eastwind and High Eastwind. The architecture is quite varied, from simple wood shanties in Low Eastwind to extravagant stone manors in High Eastwind above. We see both wealthy and poor citizens going about their business. The streets are wider here, and we can see more greenery and flowers. We stop at a local tavern and enjoy a meal of fresh seafood and ale. The tavern's filled with locals, and we can hear the sounds of laughter and music. The air is thick with the scent of spices and cooking, and we can almost taste these flavors on our tongue. Afterward, we make our way to Lucrehold, the fortress home of Port Peril's powerful pirate lord, Kerdak Bonefist. The Elidaire-inspired architecture is impressive, with tall towers and walls made of stone. We can see the fortress from a distance and can't help but feel a sense of awe as we approach the massive lighthouse called Besmara's Beacon. The lighthouse is the tallest structure in Port Peril and is visible from almost anywhere in the town. We don't get too close to Lucrehold, however, as we know Bonefist's guards are always watching. The air around the fortress is heavy with the scent of brine and gunpowder. We can almost hear the sound of cannons firing in the distance. After a brief shore leave, we head back to Crescent Harbor and prepare to set sail once again. As we leave Port Peril behind, we can't help but feel a sense of excitement at the thought of all the adventures that await us in the shackles. The town is a hub of activity and commerce, and there's always something new to discover here. The sea stretches out before us like a vast, endless expanse of blue, and we can feel the wind in our hair and the salt on our lips as we set sail once again. Welcome to the Skull and Shackles Adventure Path, folks. Ooh. I feel like I'm there. I'm oh, so yeah. excited. I love it. Save game. Save game. <laughs> 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 Sorry, auto saves on. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Checkpoint reached. And so... We ourselves are in the bustling city of Port Peril. Those of you listening that haven't listened to the vignettes that my players have so lovingly crafted, uh, they are available to listen to before this episode on the very same feed. Uh, that'll give you a little bit of insight into who the characters are and what they're doing in Port Peril. But, before we get to the streets and the people and the shops, it's only right that we begin at the docks. And at the docks, we see a large three-masted sailing ship with dark ebony boards for wood. Its sails are black, and it is anchored at the ports near Beggarbriar, so on the other side of Crescent Harbor from where ships arrive. 
on the side of the ship, painted in red, we see the words scrawled across, the wormwood. Those in the know, in the shackles, would recognize the ship immediately as the ship of one aspiring free captain, Barnabas Harrigan. We cross the gangplank onto the ship and off the main dock descend several flights of stairs to the dark depths below the water to the bilges the lowest spot and behind several planks peaks one of our characters who had cleverly stowed away Haley who do we see as the board slides across you see a very unnaturally thin character that is covered in very loose garments all dark and a little rough they look like they would be great for sneaking onto a boat at night. She is getting her stuff together, and as getting her stuff together, you might see the white of her bone face. She's a skeleton, and her name's Calypso. A skeleton, first character on the podcast, skeleton, okay. Yeah. Bring a little undead to the show. Uh Uh-huh. I think that also counts as a pirate trope, right? That's uh, Curse of the Black Pearl. Mm-hmm. Undead crew. Oh, we did it. Yeah. We did it. There's one trope down. I thought that's yeah, where the skulls. Right this is, I thought that was where the skulls and skulls and oh, shackles thought, came from. You thought it was called skull and shackles because one player every has party to... that plays it needs one skeleton. Yeah. Oh. Makes a ton of sense. Thanks for oh. thanks for biting the bullet, Haley. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so this skeleton peering out of a hidden hold in the bilges um, gets immediately kind of like her ankles wet from the stagnant lying water in this hold. It appears someone hasn't been down to pump the bilges today, probably because you're in port. Looking ahead and listening You see two arms shackled together around uh, what is kind of the end of the main mast. It goes all the way through the ship to the bottom. Uh, But this, the rest of this person is clearly on the other side of the mast. Why don't you roll the first roll of the campaign and give me a quick perception check? Can do. I'm not good at perception. Oh, no. I got a two on the die for a seven. With a seven, you hesitate and stall here for a while. Uh, worried that creeping out past this man 
will cause them to cry out, uh, start an alarm, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you do know that this person has been prisoner in the villages here for some days. So would I feel fairly safe uh, walking past them? And, or... I think... I think you, you know, you take some time here, and instead of noticing immediately, it takes you about 15 minutes to realize that they're not moving much. And oh. eventually here, you can, you can kind of pick up the light sound of a snore. Oh, I thought you were going to say they were dead. Okay. Well, wouldn't you love that? Just give you a boyfriend Friend. down here and everything. <laughs> More bones for the bone pile. <laughs> Skeleton 2. Electric boogaloo. Alright, well then, I'm going to try and carefully not wake that person up while I walk off of the ship. Okay, I'll need a stealth check. As Great. you try to quietly splash through the ankle-deep water of the bilges. Well, that's a four on the die for an eight. Okay. So I have done great as this. We're off to a hot start, yeah. baby. <laughs> Beginning. It's only up from here. Not doing well. <laughs> Feeling really uncomfortable. So an eight would normally not beat this person's perception DC. However, they are asleep, which gives them the penalty for being unconscious. And so... You maybe hear them and and twitch a little bit as you splash past. You get water on their chest as you speed up to, to get past them, but they do not wake. Awesome. As you proceed through the ship, you do know you've kind of picked a time when you think most of the people on the ship will be on shore leave. And as you approach the main deck, you notice that the doors to the officer's quarters are shut. Usually during the day, they're not, mm. from what you've observed. Should I, that, that, I feel like that means that it's a good time for me to get off of the ship if I need anything, because, but also what if someone's behind the doors? I think you could have to make a choice. Okay. You could listen at the doors. That's a good point. Um, my rolls have been so good already mm -hmm. that I think I'll do that because nothing can go wrong. All right. You got like a, I don't know, you usually have some crazy bullshit like an ear horn that improves your perception at doors <laughs> or like, I don't know, you have some soap you want to slip under the... Oh, great question. Let me check. Some chalk you want to use to write down anything you hear. Um, uh, good question. Uh, toss no. some marbles under the door. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, no call traps. I, I'm just looking at a, a blind pepper tube so I can blind someone if they do come out. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, why, don't, why don't you uh, give me that perception check as you... Um... 13 on the die. Way better. 18 total. With an 18, you listen at the door. Yeah, I do. And you gather a little bit of information. You hear the officers in there talking. You can kind of hear the distinctive sound of Master Scourge's voice and Mr. Plug, too, 
as they're having a conversation with some of the other officers, uh, specifically someone that they keep calling Fish Guts and someone they keep calling Grok. Uh, you hear that they tell them to take the day and go drinking. And then when they speak to themselves, they mention meeting up at a tavern in Beggarbriar known as the Formidably Made. That's M-A-I-D. Oh. Cool. I, I think it might make sense then for me to get off now while they're still behind these doors. And then I can watch them get to the tavern and already have a good hideout spot set up. That sounds like a plan. And so in the hubbub of the docks, you don't even really need a check. You're able to kind of slip your way off the ship. Oh, that's kind of you. And yeah, I... You know, don't let them roll if you don't want a chance of failure. Let's <laughs> let's keep the scene going. <laughs> um, and so you make it down the dock, and um, with a quick ask around, because I think diplomacy is probably your best skill, you are able to discern the location of the formidably made and head there. Now let's move on to a character that I think just washed into town, perhaps on a rowboat of sorts. Um, Brooks. On the shores of Crescent, Crescent Harbor, which is the crescent-shaped island that, uh, that you would hit before you hit uh, Port Peril proper, um, washes ashore a dinghy and a Gripply. Who do we see? You see a short but slender creature that carries themselves with, with purpose, stands up tall, and... As tall as a Gripply can be. As tall as a <laughs> Gripply can be. So not very. That that has that walks with with grace. They're wearing a weathered leather uh, vest and a black wide brimmed hat uh, to cover cover their big black glossy eyes and. Their skin is an electric blue with black spots like ink. And so this frog person kind of splip, splop, splip, splop, uh, walks on the kind of the off side of the city. What's Wit looking for? Wit is looking for a place to blend in. A where they can be conspicuous and have a quick inconspicuous. Exit. Inc in <laughs> yes, 
Inconspicuous. If you want to be conspicuous, just be a frog in the middle of town. <laughs> yeah, kind of already there. <laughs> okay. And so, yeah, a a place to disappear into. Well, as you are walking along the shore, I'm going to give you a perception check. Ooh, okay. 13. All right. A 13 is enough for you to notice several shapes out in the water swimming around this um, this kind of establishment out on the water. It's, it's an island off the island, a very tiny island, and it appears to have a building on it, um, some sort of restaurant, perhaps. Uh, you're not sure from here, um, but it looks like people are swimming up to it. Which strikes you as odd. Is there... I guess... Is there some sort of knowledge check that Wit can make to possibly, like, see if these waters are, are like, chumming the waters almost? It feels like... I'll let you make a nature check. Yeah. Ooh. Not great. Not great. A five on the die for ten total. Uh, with a 10 total, you've seen water be chummed. It doesn't look like anybody's tossing buckets of fish guts over the side over there, but you can't really make heads or tails of the splashing. All right. But if there is, if there is a large crowd gathering over there and, and that's, that's where they will, will head towards and and do their best to, to keep their head down. So, Wit noticing no bridge to this little island, uh, dives in. Yeah. And swims easily across maybe 50 feet of water to get to the small island. When you arrive, you see a sign above the door. Uh, the door was maybe facing the east, and so you kind of swim a little bit around the island, and now you can see it. It says, The Last Catch. And you find yourself at an open-air tavern with a large open fa space facing the sea. Uh, there's several fishing boats docked to the opposite side from where swimmers are coming, and those boats appear to be unloading ingredients and customers. So some of the customers have come over by boat. However, you notice the source of the splashing. It appears that many of the patrons at this bar are of varied aquatic and amphibious ancestries. Uh, so you see multiple Azarchetti, uh, some, some humanoids with you know, a blue tinge to their skin. Um, you actually probably see one or two other Gripply at this bar. Uh, in addition, you, as you approach, see a very rowdy uh, display happening in the back of the bar. 
and it looks to be kind of a portly man uh, still wearing kind of like a stained apron and he's sitting at a table in the back and is just making a show of devouring the fried fish that are being served to him just like critiquing them but in a in a friendly way and and like trying the food asking for different uh different types of fish, different catches, prepared different ways. He's just had some fried. Now he wants some grilled and he's um, he's kind of making a ruckus in the back of the bar. What do you do? If there is a a crowd gathered around this this character, Whitwood attempt to approach uh, the rest of the crowd just watching and go up to someone doesn't really matter who and say what's exactly going on here Uh, so you you walk up and you um, you bump into a large kind of broad sailor type Uh, and he's wearing a bandana that looks like it purposely covers one of his ears Uh, he's relatively scarred up and he turns over to you whoa hey uh pardon me i i don't often see uh gripley actually coming to this bar was uh well, <laughs> it's my first time over here. I took a ship, uh, took a boat. Uh, names uh, names Crimson Cog at your service. Uh, as far as what's going on here, this guy's been uh, eating the bar out of house and home. Uh, don't ask me why, but I'm kind of thinking I might pull up a seat with him and uh, see if he'll offer me some of his leftovers. I'm kind of hungry and short on change. What was your name, friend? Uh, the name's Wit. Uh, pleasure, pleasure to meet you. Uh, Con. Wit. Yeah. That's uh. Well, yeah. Pleasure, pleasure's all mine. He, he kind of reaches down, <laughs> shakes your hand. Um. Oh, um. About about that. Uh. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of of, of being being uh, too physical with with anyone at all. Uh, the the oh, skin here. My mistake. Yeah. I just assume, but I don't know anything about Gripley Customs or none of that. You know. Oh yeah, uh, you're fist, safe. safe. I'd give you a place. fist bump if you wanted, but uh, you know, a proper hello I think is good enough. Yeah. Well, hey, this entertainment is uh, entertainment's entertainment, ain't it? Well, at, at this point, the man eating notices the two the two of you kind of talking by his table and particularly with he notices you <laughs> welcome to my table would you like to share some of uh, these wonderful fish oh uh, that's a very kind gesture but really it's um i i i best shouldn't be you know, t- taking any of your 
your your fame, uh, fame in in a lure way. No, no, I must insist. I am merely trying many many of the meals. I cannot eat all of them myself. <laughs> I may be portly, but I am not that hungry. Well, if that be the case, have I? I am quite quite famished, and oh, I don't I don't need much. I'm quite the quite a small stature, if you haven't noticed. So. Just, just the smallest portion, and then I'll, I'll, I'll be on my way. Mm, your friend's there. He looks a bit hungry, too. He's welcome to join. We have multiple seats at this table, and I am sitting alone. <laughs> it seems everyone wants to watch. No one wants to sit. <laughs> Why could that be? I'm quite a friendly guy <laughs> once you get to know me. I promise I will not eat your little frog legs. <laughs> I, I promise you, I, I wouldn't would not taste good, but to each their own when it comes. <laughs> a delicacy where I am from, though, my friend. <laughs> well, not the, not the Gripplies, perhaps, but the frogs, for sure. <laughs> and Grenouille, quite a charming taste. Uh, Anyhow, I have some uh, swordfish and other fish, uh, some sea turtle. Please try whatever you like. That is that ahi ahi over there that I see? Uh, I don't know if we call that that in, uh, I feel like that is a fake name that was invented for, uh, or maybe that's Chilean sea bass, <laughs> no? <laughs> yeah, you know, what? I'm not sure what it is either exactly, but I mean, I'll take, I'll take some of that swordfish. Well, uh, may I have the privilege of meeting the two of you? I am... Ambrose Fish Guts Croup, they call me Fish Guts. Well, I leave that to you. <laughs> well, it could be the fish guts all over my apron, could be all the gut fish in my gut, could be the fish guts I serve as a chef. Who knows? I'll, I'll let you keep keep all those yourself, but uh, it's a pleasure. I, I'm with, and this is Wit. Cog. Yeah, hi, uh, Crimson Cog Cogsworth, uh, and, you, and you all sit down and uh, proceed to feed your starving stomachs. I think next we leave the birth of the Sea Wraith after a particularly, uh, I guess I'd say, difficult day, giving out um, Tengu bottles and. Kaya and, well, I'll let you introduce your character, Emily. Uh, we see a red-haired woman in classic pirate attire, followed by... You see a short but long-limbed figure, and the most striking features about her are the feathers, jet black feathers, that cover her entire body, and her long, slightly hooked gray beak, because she is a Tengu. Squawk. She does that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta talk the talk and squawk the squawk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tengu through and through. And, uh, you're walking with your friend Sandy Quinn, who has just worked a shift at the 
only really known temple of Besmara in the Shackles, uh, or in the world, really. Um, the birth of the Sea Wraith, which uh, is thought to have been the prototype for the Sea Wraith, Besmara's ship. And Sandy turns to you. Oh, what a day, Kaya. What'd you think of that slaver guy that was spilled your Tengu bottle? A waste of a good Tengu bottle. Good riddance to him. But it wasn't all for waste. We did get his shiny keys, and she holds up the her prize new possession, the jangly keys that she stole from him. Uh, don't you think that we'll have to bump into him again to be able to use them? Ah, uh, likely. We'll have to try to figure out where they go to, but for now, we have them, and that's something to celebrate. I don't know about you, but I was thinking maybe we could let off a bit of steam after such a... Well, such a shift. <laughs> That's sure. I didn't want to be too forward, but I was thinking maybe you could get us into the watchtower. I kind of don't really feel like slumming it today. Oh. That's quite the idea. I'm up for a bit of an adventure. And you've been in Port Peril a bit, so I'm not going to make you roll for this because you've likely already been here. Um, the Watchtower, you know, is a fairly expensive and exclusive bar in the High Eastwind District. Uh, it is also a gambling hall, but most notably, the owner and proprietor is a Tengu. Perfect. Uh, it is. Uh, it is like one of the highest bars in town, and many of the people that go to the Watchtower are also Tengus. Uh, many of the people that gamble there are Tengus, and so you know that you'll be able to get in and probably get things for a discount. So it's not going to be as expensive as uh, as a normal bar in the High Eastwind District for you. Oh, that sounds perfect. And she uh, touches her coin purse, and there's a little jangle in there. She could stand to lose a few coins. Or maybe gain some. All right. So you make your way up and up and up to the High East Wind District from Besmara's, or from the birth of the Sea Wraith. And then uh, you go up several flights of stairs. It twists, it turns, it's kind of carved in to this old fort looks like it was once like a barracks that has been turned into this gambling hall. You and Sandy arrive and likely order some drinks. Yeah, Kaya's gonna get just anything with rum in it. Maybe a dark and stormy. Ooh, a dark and stormy. 
Call that one Dazzler's Piss, baby. <laughs> Barky, Barky's like, oh, two Dazzler's Piss. All right. Squirt. Uh, comes out with your drinks. And uh, why don't you make me a perception check? All right. Ooh, a seven. You guys are having some tough rolls today. Yeah. Um, you don't notice her until she arrives behind the two of you. You see this tall, half-orc woman uh, wearing leathers and like a pirate smock. She doesn't look like the typical clientele here, uh, like wealthy gamblers or Tengu. Uh, but she's here nonetheless, and seeing you order two Gazra's Piss, she uh, she sparks up a conversation with you. I drink it light today, are we? Ladies. The night's still young. Just the first one. What are you drinking this evening? Well, I've been splurging, so I'm having a few shots of... Uh, of Shackle's rum itself, spiced with a bit of Uwangi spices. If you're interested, I'd buy you ladies each one. We could have a toast. Hmm. The name's Grok, by the way. My name's Kaya, at your service. And she does a quick bow. And mine's Sandy. It's good to meet you. Kaya and Sandy. The two of you wouldn't happen to be Besmarans, would you? Be working over at the temple. That we are. Ah, the look of good worshippers, a lot of you. I haven't been over to pay my respects. But I should before me ships left harbor. That's always a good idea. We'll be there tomorrow if you want to stop by. She ponders that for a moment, and you notice across her neck this deep scar that reaches all the way side to side. You think maybe that could be contributing to her rather raspy voice. Uh, she hails the bartender and orders a few drinks. Uh, the one, the ones that you, um, the ones that she spoke of and raises a toast to taking whatever you want. Kaya raises her, her glass as well. Here, here! And she'll down the shot. Okay. I need Sandy and Kaya to make me fortitude saves. It appears I can roll well. <laughs> Not awful. A 17. Kaya, you down the shot, and uh, it burns from those extra sp spices. Almost catches you off guard, but you don't even make a face. 
you slam the, the cup back down. And, uh, and Grok smiles at the two of you, uh, taking those shots like a champ. Well, you ladies wouldn't happen to be here to do a bit of gambling, would you? I could stand to gain a few more coins. And so she leads you back to one of the tables around the bar uh, that appears to be set up for games. And I think we'll move over to our slithering friend. Steve, what has Atlas been up to? What does he look like? Where is he? All right, I'll, I'll give you the rundown. So... Atlas is a what's called a sacred Nagaji. Um, if you're unfamiliar, think of kind of like a centaur, how it's humanoid up top, but horse down below, but not quite. We're talking humanoid up top, snake down below. Um, that snake part of his body is this really cool colored theme of blues and purples and greens blended together, something that could really like camouflage itself underwater. Um, up top, though, we have this, like, chiseled, tall frame. Um, I themed this character after Alexander Skarsgård, so real high cheekbones, real broad shoulders, um, but he's wearing this, like, open-necked white tunic, like, appropriate for pirates of, of the theming here. Um, but around his waist, he has this belt, and on this belt are various spell-casting implements um, like a couple potion bottles, maybe a tube for scrolls, a little journal notebook, and a mirror. So, yeah, that's what he looks like in general as he, like, slithers side to side. He's moving with purpose. He's just coming out of a room in, like, a seedy inn in Lower East Side um, after he just got done recounting in his journals his recent expedition into the jungles of the Mwangi Expanse. Um, he's moving with purpose now into this bar that is part of the inn, and he is uh, hes looking around. I guess I'll pause there in my descriptors. Atlas slithers into the bar and this mostly human clientele all like as the door slams behind him kind of looks over in his direction with a mix of like disapproval and maybe apprehension Um, are you like slithering up to the bar for a drink absolutely and he probably doesn't even notice these weird looks that he's getting. He's an intellectual dude, even though he is like broad chested and kind of built a little bit. Um, but he probably wouldn't really pick up on that type of social cues. He's like sort of in his own head planning his next moves. Sure. Uh, you head up to the bar and the bartender uh, looks you up and down. I think, I think as you slither up, you don't even notice, but you have this massive tail behind you. So like the it's a it's a cramped bar and you're like knocking chairs and like bumping <laughs> people uh and, and and 
again, you may be oblivious, but the people around you start to like, yep, this guy, come on, this fucking guy. Um, and the bartender kind of gives you a sideward glance. What'll you be having? Are you staying for long? No, I do not believe I will be. Because yeah, we don't have seats for your kind, unfortunately. Ah, <laughs> uh, you would be surprised how I could fit into a normal chair, even with this tail behind me. Your coil or something oh, else? Pretty much, yes. All right, I, all right. Good enough. I, I like go into detail, but sometimes. seems yeah. you do not want to know. I would like to have an L, but if you would do me the favor as well, and I can pay for it. We'd like a little bit of information about maybe where I can join a crew. <laughs> a crew? I'll give you a bit of information for free after you pay me for that ale, of course. And he does. Uh, listen. You're looking to join a crew? Are you looking to hire a crew? Or are you looking to you have the kind of coin to hire a crew? Oh, sir. I am no captain. I am but a Corsair, as some may call me. Cold-blooded Corsair. I am just looking to make my way in the ocean, and maybe do a little research along the way. Making your way along the ocean, right? You probably slither through water like that too, huh? You'd be surprised. <sighs> Listen, and he like, he draws you in close. He draws you in a little bit closer. Mm -hmm. You may be kind of oblivious, but the people around here don't really fucking seem to like you. You seen them behind you? They're waiting for you to leave. If you want to join a crew, I suggest you find your kind of people. You know, some people a little bit more like you that might get along with you better, have chairs you can sit in, that kind of stuff. Great advice, my fellow. Where might I find them? <sighs> Snake people, uh, lizard people, frog people. Uh, I mean, probably best off going to the last catch, seeing if there's any pirates over there. And where might I find this last catch? Uh, slither your big old snaky butt across, uh, take a ferry or something across to Crescent Harbor. You can't miss it, it's a little island right off Crescent Harbor. Then that is where I will go. I appreciate your hospitality, sir. Best of luck. If you ain't paying for a crew, I don't know who's picking you up. Perhaps no one? And if that is the case, I will find my own way. I always seem to. <laughs> he, uh, he takes your coin, deposits it, uh, kind of... He's, he's looking at you the whole time you're drinking your ale, like, waiting for you to finish. <laughs> and he's like... He, and that was just like, takes his time. <laughs> he, he, uh, like, nods his head towards the door. Ah. Well, I have finished my L. It has been a rousing conversation with, with you, my friend. Right, right. Until next time, perhaps. 
and he sets his empty glass down. He's already paid for it and heads out, I guess, to the last catch then. Yeah. Uh, why don't you give me a society check, given that um, you are very new to the area? Sure. Okay, there we go. That is a 19 on the die, 26. Ooh. 26. Not only do you know where you're heading, you know where to do, where the docks are for the for the like free ferry versus the paid ferry. You're able to take a free ferry across from uh, Beggar Briar all the way over to Crescent Harbor. From there, you find yourself in the last catch, and the first thing you see is several piratical-looking people uh, sitting around a table feasting in front of you. Oh, boy. If they look like pirates, they may be looking for someone to join up. Could be. What's your move? Well, Atlas kind of surveys the room a little bit. Don't worry. I'm not going to roll a perception check unless you want me to. I'm very bad at those. <laughs> so, but he does recognize the pirates all kind of hanging out. I assume it's the same folks from the earlier kind of little vignette there with Wit and them. You know, I'll, I'll take another society check. Sure. Um, it's going to be an 18 total. Yeah, with an 18, uh, at this table, you think, Maybe not the the other uh, reptilian amphibian person. That, that I don't know if they're a pirate. Sure. Um, the guy with the bandana looks a little fresh. The guy in the chef's apron, though, he seems like a pirate. Ooh. You're picking up uh, some strange vibes from him from across the room as though he uh, you know he keeps he keeps like referencing things while he's eating that like don't seem right he seems to be like slugging grog and rum at a rate no man should be able to do that's not a pirate you notice like the telltale signs of like maybe a lack of vitamin C on him. Uh, and he appears to have the crustiest layer of salt on him in this bar. Well, I mean, crusty looking old man. <laughs> the chef's outfit looking low on vitamin C is looking good to me. I think you should definitely start with, man, you're looking real crusty. Can you hire me? <laughs> <laughs> He's a real crusty crusty. <laughs> real, real big scallywag. All right, so Atlas does the same like side-to-side -side slither as he makes his way towards this table. And uh, the, the, like scooting of chairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like every time he did. Your art has your tail like 10 feet long behind you. Also exactly how I envisioned it. It's huge. so big. Alexander Skarsgård is six foot four inches tall, so that's exactly how I tall I want him to be. But like, which needs tip, to be supported exactly. By like a <laughs> yeah. So tip to tail, you need to have quite a bit of serpentine length you're, holding that you're up. Like a, you're a huge creature from tip to tail. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't have a five by ten token. Yeah. Uh, hey, <laughs> I mean, they'll let me. But he does slither on over, 
Is he getting the same sort of like hostile reception from the crowd? I'm assuming not. No, you, yeah, you, I mean, not that you notice mm-hmm. being oblivious, but here you fit right in. Great. Uh, there are probably, I mean, some of the serpent folk here are probably uh, like the Nagajis mm-hmm. at the table. There are several, and they're probably very kind of taken with the fact that you are a sacred Nagaji. Like, you sure. can tell that they're really looking at you. Um, it doesn't appear that there are other sacred Nagaji here that you could see. Um, and, but I think the other Nagaji here kind of know that the significance of that and are are um, kind of eyeing you up. But the rest of the bar has no problem with Half Snake Man. All right. Well, he slithers on up to the table and makes himself known. Hello, my friends. My name is Atlas Reiner. I am the cold-blooded corsair, and you all look like pirates. Pirates, you say? <laughs> oh no, no! I am a mere chef. Why would you think a pirate of me? Oh, perhaps it is your devil-may-care attitude I saw from across the bar. Perhaps it is. Your demeanor? I don't know, but I get a good vibe from you. And though I am not a pirate at heart, I am a researcher, I find myself quite proficient in piracy. And if a pirate crew was looking for someone who to join their crew, I could be that person. An interesting proposition. Willingly joining a pirate crew with no experience or references. Ah, perhaps you are out of the loop? Did my moniker, the cold-blooded corsair, mean nothing to you? The cold-blooded corsair? means something in the shackles to be sure, but not on a man as inexperienced looking as you. <laughs> you have no, how you say, magic items to speak of? What, were you robbed by Miss Mara herself? <laughs> ah, I am a little short on funds. Research does not come cheap. But I can assure you, you are looking to raise some hell. I can raise some hell. You are looking for someone to join an expedition or a piratical adventure. You would be doing well to ally yourself with the cold-blooded corsair. I think I'm gonna need a diplomacy check here. I'm gonna tank this. Before I do that, as we're talking, and I don't expect like a mechanical benefit from this, as he's talking, he's gonna float a couple coins up into the air telekinetically, and you can kind of see these little spider webby glossomer cracks appearing in the air below them. And then they float on over to the bar that I'm assuming is here. And like bump in to the, the bartender. If the bartender looks over, Atlas holds up two fingers and then pantomimes like taking a drink. And if the guy pours two ales, 
he'll float the ales back over to the table, and then I'll roll this diplomacy check. You see the guy uh, doesn't pour ales, but it appears he pours something hard liquor okay. into the um, into a couple of shot glasses, and you can see uh, it's actually a Gripply behind the bar. Oh. And he puts up two fingers and then he looks at the rest of the table and puts up like two more fingers and like shrugs and pours four shots <laughs> at this point Atlas would look to the other two people at the table and kind of cock his head to the side shrug a little bit kind of like the UN shrug and Wit, while still keeping the the brim of their hat quite low to, to cover their eyes as, as much as they can, in a pretty, well, as a, as a gripply with bright blue skin, trying to hide their identity as much as possible, uh, shrugs along with and says, I, I got nothing better to do. Yeah, uh, if you're buying, I'm drinking. Perfect. Much appreciated by, uh, again, I just met a Gripley, and now i uh, real sorry. Cog Cogsworth, I do not know how to address you sincerely and appropriately, but uh, you have a very unique tale. <laughs> My appreciation cannot be overstated. I am Perfect. I'm Reiner. doing flawlessly here. And he, like, he smiles to himself, and you see probably why he's called Crimson, or his nicknamed Crimson. You see, like, just this, like, red flush rise up in his, like, neck and his cheeks as if he was, like, nervous. Oh, or, he's, uh, he's got a crush on me already? I don't know that he has a crush on me, <laughs> but you can, definitely, you can definitely see he's, like... He's very, uh, he's turning, you're turning crimson, crimson. <laughs> All right, we float the shots over. All right, I'm going to need fortitude saves. Oh, I'm bad at this, too. Oh, boy, that's an 11 total. Uh, it appears that crimson and wit take the shots, don't flinch. Um, feeling fine. Ambrose takes a shot like it's water. Atlas, you take the shot. And you do that little baby like... Yep. And you keep it down, uh, but you feel just like a tiny bit woozy. And so... Um, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what that means in a moment here. Uh, so... <laughs> Ambrose notices this. Uh, so much for cold-blooded, eh? It appears when you add a little heat to that fire, you cannot stay in the kitchen. The booze here is a little stronger than what I the swill that I have been drinking in the expanse over the last couple of months. And if you're looking for... T time at the sea you best get used to 
the, the strongest stuff. We oui, even the petite grenouille could drink it without making a face. I myself, but you, I, I myself have have certainly spent spent some time at sea, but I I think I I I, I don't think we're uh, well. I I don't think you are gonna be able to get out to see yourself with without a ship. But if you if you are hap happening to to sail off. I would be inclined to join if I so can. I think that well, that was to Steve, right? Oh, yeah, to a Alice. Uh, much appreciated for for the drink. I'm I'm wit, by the way. Wit, uh, pleased to meet you. My name is Atlas Reiner, the cold-blooded corsair. I do not have a ship of my own. I am looking to join one myself. I am no captain. I am no first mate. Just a deckhand looking to make my way in the world. Aren't we all just make just looking to, to make our way? Well, you scallywags may have wished your wish, but I do not take just anyone to speak with my crew. How about this? If the three of you can beat me in the game of darts, then I will introduce you to some pirates that uh, may be interested in, how you say, uh, a few swabs. But otherwise, I do not want to bring uh, unfortunate skills to my ship. Well, not my ship, but you know what I'm saying. This is a challenge I will accept. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm also in. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not doing much for money, so I could at <laughs> least come along and uh, if your pirate friends are buying drinks, have at least a good time. Um, and so, I need the group of you to make either a range attack roll or if you have a spell such as telekinetic projectile you can use a spell attack roll cool because that was what I was going to ask you because that's what I would like to do skill game skill game skill game okay so Cog kind of steps up to the to the buck first takes a takes a toss uh, gets a natural 19 uh, so he very nearly bullseye shots his uh, his first shot uh, which of you would like to go I would like to go next and as Atlas walks up he's looking at the dart and he sets it down on the table and looks back to this Mr. Fish Guts guy you don't mind I'd like to use my own and you brought your own dots to the bar? He holds up a finger and starts to concentrate, and reality around him, there's like these spiderweb cracks like glass that appear in the air, and I'm going to be casting telekinetic projectile, and in fact, he's going to concentrate extra hard to amp it up, because I don't necessarily want to beat everybody, although that would be great. 
I want to knock the dartboard off the wall. Because if I hit this thing, I can move a target five feet away if I crit it's ten feet. So I want to hit the target and knock it off the wall to impress this guy, if I can do that. So this does this would take a focus point, um, but here we go. Here's an attack roll. That's a 16 total. Meets beats. Ooh. All right. So this, like... So basically, the air cracks around him, shattering like glass, and this little spindle appears, kind of like a dart, and he slings this thing. It lodges in the dartboard, and with that push effect, I guess either it rocks the dartboard if it's very secure, or the dartboard falls off the, the, the wall if it's not. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it like rocks the dartboard really hard. And sure. Ambrose turns to you. You know, uh, the point of the game is to get points, right? <laughs> and it is it's not to throw the dart as hard as you can, but as accurately as you can. Ah. You see your friend Cog? Almost a bullseye. You were a little bit further off, but you shook the board really hard. <laughs> See, and here I was thinking that this was a competition to try and get on a vessel. And you need someone who can rock the boat, as they say. Mm, clever, but some pirates prefer precision to brute force. Let's see how your friend Wit can uh, perform. Uh, and Wit picks up the dart, holds it, kind of spins it in their fingers, throws it, ooh, for a 13 total. All right. With a 13, you kind of fook over to the side of the board. And it is Ambrose's turn. He's he tosses all three of his darts, and you see that even though Wit wasn't able to score many points uh, between Atlas and Cog, uh, you were able to win. All right, all right, all right, my friends. Well, we should shore up our tabs. Uh, if anyone is still picking as a fish, make it quick. And then I will take you to my friends at the Formidably Made. And we can have a discussion there. Much obliged. I'm not so much of a of a of a dart player myself. I'm I'm used to throwing slightly slightly larger dots. Baha Bing. Baha I'm sorry guy. Do you guys have that in your cultures? I don't wanna be um, hop. Actually, this is quite offensive to my people. I cannot hop at all. Uh, you can't hop. You only hop. Oh, jeez. Barney. <laughs> I made a fool of myself. But, but, but to, to, be, to, be fair, to be fair, to be fair, we, we even each other out. Between lots of hop, no hop, some And hop. I'm standard hop, so we got three stages of hop. Let's follow Ambrose to the bar. Goldilocks situation. <laughs> and so... Uh, we move on from the local catch to, I guess, what could be described as 
the local catch or the catch of the day. Uh, a, a marketplace kind of selling uh, parts of fish, parts of whales, uh, smaller, bigger um, catches, as well as the trinkets that certain fishermen may find out at sea. And Chris, who do we see uh, perusing the market? Yeah, sauntering through the market is an old, portly uh, man, about 50, late 50s, 60 years of age, wearing a burgundy long coat, uh, a ton of weapons, and just random buckles and pouches strapped to him. Tricorn hat. Uh, I've, I've cast him roughly as Jeff Bridges from sure. Big Lebowski. So the, the, the gray goatee. You know what I think is a shame? We haven't seen Jeff Bridges play a pirate to... To my knowledge, I think he'd be very. I think he'd be I, a great pirate. Be, I don't know how old he is these days, but I think I think oh, he'd, be, he'd great. be great. So, this this man, Grady, uh, a human man, uh, by the way, uh, is ambling through uh, the market. Just finished a, um, just got off of a, a voyage at sea, uh, chopping up whales from the vignette. Probably still smelling a bunch like raw fish as well too, even though he's changed out of his work clothes and into uh, his his clothes clothes. Yeah, you don't stick out with that stench in no. the city. Yeah, it's kind of par for the course. But I think he'd be looking for a, a drink or something to take the edge off after a, after a long day potentially. Well, Chris, you can tell me whether this is correct or not, but I believe when we last saw Grady, he was fishing through the belly of a whale. Uh, yes. Looking for any strange things that the creature might have swallowed. And I'd imagine you would have found a couple of things that might not have been of immediate value to the whaling vessel, but that you perhaps could sell on your own. Oh. Do tell. So, I think what you've picked up from this whale is several um, several strange shells that are um, that are not immediately discernible to belong to a certain creature. Um, I think if you rolled me a nature check there, you might be able to uh, discern a bit more. I can attempt that. It's a 14 total. Yeah, I think with a 14, you you recognize these as, like, the, the reason it looks different to, to you is because it's somewhat mutated. It must have come from a strange part of the sea this is like an abalone shell but when you check it's kind of tensile strength it's at least twice as strong as a normal shell should be uh, it almost looks like this creature must have grown a shell within a shell and and that fused and you think that might be of value to someone um i know you're kind of coming off the ship um haven't spent all of your cash, but this might get you a little bit of petty cash if you know where to look. That is intriguing. I, I think you would follow up on that and anything else you found. Sure. So you 
peruse the market. And I think this is where I would like a very non-specific check. A very pertinent check, though, for weird things like this. Some some esoteric type yes, check. Yes, yeah. if, <laughs> I think uh, particularly suited to your character, perhaps an esoteric lore check. All right. For the listeners who aren't familiar with the Thaumaturge class, which, which is what I have, uh, they have a special lore called esoteric lore that they can roll to know things about things. And it uses charisma instead of intelligence. So I'm rolling on a plus seven here. Um, should I turn the uh, the diverse lore penalty on for nope, this? Go okay. ahead and just roll it. Okay. An eight on the die for a 15. You have the 15. Uh, you're able to kind of discern as you walk through the market the kind of stall that's looking for oddities and curiosities. Uh, things that aren't fresh fish. Um, and by correctly identifying such a shop, uh, it doesn't take you much haggling to sell that shell for a full gold piece. Ooh, hot damn. <laughs> now, uh, describe to me what Grady might think, a man that, uh, by all accounts, uh, is pretty cash poor upon... Mm -hmm getting a gold piece for what is basically just a mutation. Yeah. Big come up. There's two big things in his mind. He's either drinking off of this or he's gambling it, I think. <laughs> well, as a man of the shackles, I think you would at least know who to, like, the type of people to ask about where you might be able to go gamble your money away. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll I'll ask for a quick diplomacy to gather some information sure, here. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to give you kind of the lower DC since you'd be, well. 18 on the die for a 25. Give me whatever uh, DC yeah, you want. You are perfectly suited to, uh, to kind of this quest. You are a gambler at heart. Mm -hmm. And you realize that the, um, the place with the most cash and probably the least experience is called the Watchtower in oh. High East Winds District. And uh, with that diplomacy check, even being somewhat unfamiliar with Port Peril Street, you're able to find your way there. Approaching this kind of, you know, bougie for you, certainly, mm -hmm. uh, gambling hall slash bar, it's easy for Grady to pick up on a couple of rubes gambling. <laughs> <laughs> you see uh, a trio of women, two of them looking very fresh-faced, uh, gambling, playing cards. At a ta surrounding a table uh, in the in the gambling hall. What do you do? The first thing I think he's going to do is going to fetch himself a drink uh, to play sure. with first. So he'll saunter up to the bar and ask. Uh, he's. I think I like. I just thought of. I like the fact that he's maybe got like a custom, given that he has so many voyages at sea. First drink on land, he's going to ask for like a dwarven ale or a dwarven stout or something like sure. that. Sure. Set him straight. So he'll fetch that. And then and the he bartender. <laughs> Dwarven ale. Oh, 
I'll see if I can find one in the back. If you'd humor uh, an old sea dog like me with a request like that, I I know it's not uh, something often stocked around these parts, but I always like to ask for one when I come back from a voyage. Are you gambling? Oh, yes, I am. Well, these don't get ordered often. It's on the house if you're gambling. Oh, alrighty then. So he'll take that and then he'll, he'll saunter over to uh, uh, the game of cards. Um, is is it pretty clear that uh, Kaya and Sandy are both uh, Besmarin? Uh, you, you you even with no religion check, just being a citizen of the shackles, can see the the symbol of Bar- Besmara, especially on like Kaya's pauldrons and stuff. The uh, skull and crossbones Jolly Roger mm. is very evident on the two of them. Uh, however, on the third woman, um, you don't see any such holy symbols. And in fact, as you're kind of scoping the table, she looks like she's probably the biggest threat at the table in terms of know-how. She looks weathered like you in a way that people at this bar don't. Okay. He'll still approach uh, and and start up a conversation. Ah, followers of Vesmara, the Pirate Queen, I believe. If you'll have me at your table, you might just be the lucky charms I need to, uh, oh, to hit it big today. I have been known to eat some bad luck. Maybe today is your lucky day. Oh, perhaps. And he'll sit down and he'll start playing. Uh, the orc woman, or the half-orc woman across the table, uh, is, is shuffling the cards. Now, Emily, uh, the, uh, the woman that supposedly bought you drinks, uh, does she, do you now realize that, uh, drinks are free if you're gambling? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably not, if she hasn't gone back up to get another drink. She's focused on this card game now. Alright, she's that green? Yeah. Well, not as green as I have. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're gray. I think there might be some shiny, shiny co- like coins on the table that would easily distract a <laughs> bird. She's got her eye on the pile of coins she has in front of her right now. That is a funny detail to pick up because I didn't, I didn't catch that. <laughs> the uh, the half work across the table would smile as Grady approaches. Ah, another. Wizened old salt like myself, come to play a game. Would ye be interested in playing a game of high tide? Is that something I'm familiar with? Ooh, um, do you have any relevant lores? Otherwise, I'd say uh, maybe a society, maybe an esoteric lore. Got esoteric or sailing lore. I don't think I have anything else that really applies. Okay. Try esoteric. Uh, 16 total. 16 total. Uh, As a gambler yourself, you've heard of High Tide. High Tide is a game where you... um, where cards are passed fates down uh, and players try a lie about the cards that they've added to the tide. Um, And you know that, like, the... it's, It's a game of deception. And so you're able to... you're able to bluff in this game kind of like we would bluff in poker. Mm. Uh, you're able to kind of game the game 
uh, like you would if you were counting cards. Like these things are all possibilities in a game of high tide. Um, but essentially the dealer, so Grok at this point, is the one that is, um, is like kind of the, like the dealer in blackjack, like the winner or the loser. Mm. Like she will decide if, like call you out if it's a, you know, if she thinks you, you've added more to the tide okay. uh, than, you're, than you're letting on or whatever. The name is uh, Grok, by the way. It's a pleasure. Grady Tackett, myself. Grady Tackett. Tackett. A piratical name, if I've ever heard one. Oh, it's been years since I ever been on the account. I find myself whaling most these days. Certainly, you'd be looking for a whale in this gambling hall. Oh, <laughs> I, I would. Perhaps, yeah, perhaps I do be the whale myself. <laughs> Ladies, watch your cards around this one. And so she will deal the cards out. Um, what I need from the three of you is you can either roll me a relevant lore, which would be something like a gambling lore or a games lore. Uh, you could roll a deception check to uh, to bluff here, obviously, or a thievery check to kind of surreptitiously shuffle your card in. Um I'd allow either of those three checks. And of course, esoteric lore would count um, as we, you know, if you decide not to use one of the other rolls. So I'm going to have, as, as it's played kind of around the table, I'm going to have Sandy roll first. I think she's going to use some thievery here. And so, I think Kai is the only one to pick up on this because she's been working with Sandy so long that Sandy is able to like kind of like double place a card onto the deck to add to the tide without uh, without it looking like she's added that much to the tide uh, and play passes over to Grady. I think I'm going to use thievery. Uh, it's it's a little lower than esoteric, but I think it's more appropriate sure. uh, for this. So he will try also to place a card. Ooh, 17 on the die for a 23. Grady, maybe even more skillfully, uh, feigns a sort of sway that only an old man drinking at a bar can have and slides an extra card into the tide as well without anyone noticing. Now I'll need a roll from Kaya. Kaya is also going to use some thievery. That's her her best bet here. She's not always the greatest at talking her way out of a situation, but she's got some uh, pretty swift talons. So she's going to hide behind some of the feathers of her arms to try to add a card. And that's a 19. With one swoop of the feathered arm, you're able to like palm an extra card onto the pile. And it does not appear that Grok is any of the wiser when mm-hmm. um, when attempting to call your bluff. And she looks at the group of you, honest folk. I wouldn't expect that. Not from you, at least, Mr. Tackett. The girls, maybe, but they worship Besmara. They know what to, to take what's theirs. Aye, sometimes honesty's the, the trickiest play you can make. 
<laughs> Too true. And she, uh, and she, you know, calls and folds, folds a card over and is shocked to see six cards where three should be. <laughs> the, tide, the tide overfloweth. And she chuckles to herself and, um, and passes the, the three of you each five silver. Um, <laughs> I didn't expect to be coming here to such a highfalutin gambling hall and getting the getting the piss took out of me. But I like the cut of your your jibs, all three. What say ye come to a more well an establishment more suited to our folk. No offense intended, Miss Kaya. I do know that there are many Tengu here, but you'll be just as accepted. At uh, the next bar, I'm thinking of wandering to. Kyle looks around the bar and is pretty comfortable here. Ah, that depends. Are you willing to tell us about your next adventure? You said you were heading out soon. I would love a story. Ah, uh, the next adventure. <laughs> sure, I'd love to tell you all about it. That is... If you don't mind the prattling on, that old salt. I'm sure this one doesn't mind. He does it himself. Die too true. Uh, and so she'd uh, she'd pretend to go settle up her tab, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and return to the group. Uh, place I'm thinking of, right by the shores. It's called the Formidably Maid. Ah. It's all coming together. <laughs> <laughs> You son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> <sighs> and so the group of you follow Miss Grok to the Formidably Made, and we approach to the Formidably Made before either of the two groups have arrived there. In fact, earlier in the day, where Calypso is able to secure herself a spot. A spot at a table alone. Calypso, you hear um, fiddle playing. Oh. There appears to be uh, another bard here at the tavern, and the fiddle itself sounds beautiful. You can see that uh, across the bar, there is a uh, brown-haired halfling. Uh, she looks um, rather striking, although stocky, like she's seen uh, quite a bit of manual labor, uh, maybe in her past. And she's just playing this beautiful fiddle, something that you may be recognizing craftsmanship um, due to your own Tidewind Bellows concertina. Why don't you go ahead and make me an occultism check? Ooh. I'm, I'm uh, also not good at this. Ooh, but I got an 11 on the die for a 15. Yeah, with a 15, you notice that the sound of her song almost has a magical quality to it. In fact, you are able to recognize a spell being used. <sighs> The spell is called Musical Accompaniment. 
and you can almost hear oh, like is it, it, really? it sounds like the fiddle is almost harmonizing with itself. What do you do? Oh, I'm not supposed to make myself noticeable. <laughs> but I also have that spell. <laughs> and a musical instrument. <laughs> Get the bard's itch. Yeah, it's really hard not to How do, you do sneak a little around bit of when dueling you're pianos. That flamboyant. Right? <laughs> Roll a will save. <laughs> we'll save to resist the charms of another bard. I think she... I think she might pull out her concertina cast musical accompaniment as well and then start playing the same tune with her. Okay. Instead of dueling. So you, you're picking up on the song yeah. that she's playing. You've maybe heard it. Yeah. Uh, it's a shanty, a common shanty in the shackles. And so I'm going to need a performance check. Can I, can I just use, uh, I, I want to use a hero point almost. I feel like this is so bad. Why do I keep rolling so bad? the first fast? session. You all have a hero point. I just feel like I'm, I feel like that'll always. But I'm going to use it anyways. <laughs> Fair point. Because I'm so, okay, okay, okay. Woo! All right, so I rolled a three originally. That got me a two of 10, but then I rolled a nat 20. Then I got me to a 27. First, tw first 20 of the like campaign? Right. Yeah, first 20 of the campaign. And probably the last, too. <laughs> the, the concertina picks, like you pick up the note she's playing and amplify it and, and cast your uh, musical accompaniment as well. And I think she, uh, so enamored by this playing, uh, it continues to play her fiddle, but like plays it over towards you, um, and and starts playing like side by side with you, and uh, you see like a puppy dog, this uh, gnome in a foppish pirate hat, just like follows over and sits at the nearest table and just like has these wide eyes watching the two of you. Uh, play this song you notice um, you know as as this woman comes over she's brought kind of like her her little like busker tip jar hat uh, and, and, and like laid it in the front of you and uh, several patrons are to tossing like coppers and even like a silver or two in with the uh, with the beauty of this performance however you are uh, you know, all eyes on you in this tavern and you look across the way and you notice a man sitting at the bar kind of like a weasley man that looks too small for his uh, pirate's coat um and he, his scowl kind of turns up at the lips and he taps his foot to the song that's being played. And you guys kind of wrap the song up and have a moment here to, uh, to talk. And the halfling would, would kind of 
pipe up in the in the silence after the song. Well, that was that was amazing. Are are you some kind of bard? Yes. You'd have to be to be playing that well. Where are my manners? <laughs> the name's Rosie. Rosie Cuswell. Me name be Bonesong. Bonesong? Is it on account of you're so skinny? That is exactly why. <laughs> Call you Skin and Bonesong, minus the skin. Ain't that cute. Well, I, I do have to thank you. Uh, I wasn't getting many tips before you came in, but jeez, uh, I near filled up the hat. I could not resist such a tune. You, uh, you from the shackles? I am, but I am new what to you, this area. Ah, new, new to Port Peril. I mean, if you're from the shackles, you've been to Port Peril. It's like, it's like mandatory or something. Not in many, many years. All right, then. Uh, pleasure to meet your acquaintance. Uh, that one over there, that's uh, Connor. He's been uh, following me around all day, giving me tips. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the gnome just kind of like, he's sitting at the table and he like waves when his <laughs> name is mentioned. Um, and he, he like continues to like kind of sit there like tapping his hands on the oak is he a problem? Nah, I think he's two steps down from harmless. Uh, he ain't giving me any trouble besides a couple coppers in my hat, but he has been uh, has been hanging out all day, having drinks. Uh, I don't know the state of a fellow as small as him. I know that you know I can't quite handle as much as an orc. I don't know that he can neither. And you do notice, like, when you look across, he's, like, very rosy-cheeked. <laughs> and he kind of, like, he leans back in his chair. The name's, like, Carl Shortstone. Is your service? <laughs> I'd be bone song. Is your service? Uh, it's going to be Carl Shortstone. It's your service. <laughs> you ladies play really nice song. He's trying to subscribe to their only bands. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got one of those uh, sounds in the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> that took me a minute. <laughs> so is he just sitting and drinking? It appears to be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if we move to a table, does he would he follow? Type of like stalkery? Yeah. Do you move to a table that's separate from his? Yeah, I think so. You hear like the, 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 <laughs> the scoot of a chair. He like stumbles over and, and kind of leans on your table. Excuse me, ladies. Would you mind? I took a seat. I'm feeling uh, quite uh, quite less nimble on my feet than I normally am. You can join. Uh, thank you. Don't think we'll get rid of him. Mr. Rosie's alright. Haley, that is not a good reason. Yeah, yeah, Connor, it's fine. You can sit down. 
Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> Drunken little bastard. <laughs> so what you ladies been getting into today? Hey, lots of uh, quite fun experiences I have, I assume. <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting like two out of every six words. Being too, I'm getting enough. Uh, being too uh, formidable bards as you said. There, there was a lick lip at the end of that sentence that sent me. Did <laughs> you just want some rub? Did you just want some rub? Yes. Did you just want some rub? Just, just say it again louder. Rub. Yep. Ah, did you just rub? rub. Yeah. He's a little hard to understand. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he tries. It takes him about two, three minutes. He's like trying to signal uh, one of one of the uh, one of the servers at the tavern. Is you it, need to cut him off. Three rubs. Four rubs. Four rubs. He looks around the table. Five rubs. Four four rubs. And the lady just sighs and leaves and brings back uh, four rums, two of which look notably lighter <laughs> in color. <laughs> and uh, you'll see uh, Calypso will just kind of grab it and hold it because she can't really drink it. Well, as we do the toast, to the, to the wenches that bought us and the boards that wenched us. <laughs> he, he takes one and he just downs the other one right back to back. And Calypso uh, throws her head back and throws the shot over her shoulder. <clears throat> it, it splats on the ground. Rosie immediately notices <laughs> Connor absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you too that fast? <laughs> I am a fast drinker. I, I might take mine a bit slower. I'm not. She downs it uh, surprisingly quickly for someone that just said they'd take it slow. Uh, slower than Miss Bonesong, at least. Well, I, I was just trying to earn some coin. I've been in Port Peril for a bit and found that playing my fiddle is, is a decent way to make a living. Yeah, I just found a pretty woman at the bar. I've been here since uh, since I got here. <laughs> I don't plan on leaving either. Don't plan on leaving. That's just been following pretty women around. What's wrong with pretty women? Nothing's wrong with pretty women, <laughs> as I says, says I. Hmm. I think this is the right time to really mess with him. Okay. I'm gonna go ahead and like kind of lower the scarf and stuff. So they can see more of my just bone face. This keeps calling me a pretty woman. Oh, by Ugathoa's toes. There's <laughs> <laughs> more to you than meets the eyes, says I. Says. Now you know my namesake. It's the bones. <laughs> He like turns to Rosie. It's a bug. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a bug. Rum. Rum. 
No? Yes? No. Ah. Can, can, I am Can all you drink Roman bones? No. And he just looks utterly confused at that. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 the Cog Cogsworth in his head are turning. <laughs> I am without organs. What? Nobody gave you any organs? I'll give you one. Oh. <laughs> Singing that bone song. He raises his eyebrows. But but take that bone zone. <laughs> and you see the cartoon style because we're we're in this world where uh, the skeletons are cartoon style, as in they will show expression. In my head, so uh, you see it now a skeletal smile up as. Not in, not no, more in like a menacing way. Sorry, I saw your eyes go up it's, in a menacing way. He's rosy, I think she like. <laughs> <laughs> Connor can't tell the difference. Hey, Connor, by the way. <laughs> Connor Shortstone, it's your service. Is he's in panache by now? I assume he's a, he's hit panache. <laughs> <laughs> he's having a time. Something I'm wondering if Calypso would know. But I'm also wondering what check I would have her make. Uh, perhaps a society check? I have that. Perhaps a society of perception. I think society will be lower DC. Lower DC by like two? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so the reason why I ask is because society's a plus four and perception's a plus five. Oh, yeah. So, society will make sense only if it's... Yeah. All right. Well, I got a six on the die for a ten. You have this inkling that you recognize that man at the bar, but you don't know who he is. Hmm. I will maybe turn to... She said Rosie? Yes. Turn to her since she's um, not in the state that Connor is in. Do you know who who is that? Well, Miss Bonesong, I don't rightly know. I, looks to be some kind of pirate to me. Probably just rolling into town. And Connor, do you know who that is? I'll fight him if you want. I don't have any idea, but it looks like he's drinking rum. Maybe I'll get him a rum. <laughs> you can see the rum. <laughs> <laughs> yes, get him a rum. The chair scoops. <laughs> Connor bumps into no less than six patrons on his way to the bar. Excuse me, uh, Mr. Uh, guy. <laughs> Rum? <laughs> Four rums. Four rums. Two rum. Three rum. Five rums. I know this guy's creepy, but I really like him. <laughs> I really like him. <laughs> the uh, the man turns to Connor. I don't think you need any rum. In fact, I think you should go back to 
that table you were sitting at and leave me the hell alone. Three rounds? <laughs> oh no! And, um, then the guy just kind of like scoffs him off and turns on his stool. <sighs> no rums. And you can see the gnome visibly deflated, like his hair even dulls in color as he walks back to the table. No rums. <laughs> I tried. It's it very mean. He told me no rums. What, how are you supposed to respond to that? How are you supposed to respond to that? How does one respond to that? I'm not sure what to do. He didn't want rum, and then I don't know who he is, and... Do you have suggestions for what I can do? I think you might just have to stew on it. Because through the front door arrive uh, several patrons from out on the street. Several colorful patrons. Uh, not your standard human halfling gnome patrons, but patrons of all ancestries as Grok, Kaya, Grady, and Sandra enter the bar and then Another group enters the bar, led by a portly man in an apron. And he peers around the bar, notices Grok standing there, and waves up at her and gestures towards the, um, the group be behind him to join them at a table. Is where you're putting them, like, by the door? No, so they've, they've like come through the door past you and headed to this table in the back of the room. Gotcha. Ah, uh, my friends. These are my other friends that I promised to introduce you to. Plus, several add-ons. Madame Grok, uh, what is going on? Well, fish guts, I, I found some lively friends. At the, uh, at the gambling hall, I thought. Why not bring them along to have some drinks with me friends and gamble? Ah, some more friends. That sounds good. More the merrier. Let me buy everyone a drink. I'll be right back. And as Ambrose, well, Ambrose, Ambrose actually kind of like gestures towards Grok. I'm going to need more than two hands to bring drinks for these many people. Would you mind? And she um, she heads with him up to the bar. Do you ever want to make a perception check? Okay. The alarm bells are going off. Maybe for you, but not for me. Twelve total. <laughs> oh, wait. Wait, uh, Emily's changed uh, Haley's to 16? <laughs> on the table there. A 22. What did everybody get? Grady has a 16, but he's also been drinking some dwarven beer. I got a 13 for um, the die for an 18 total. I too got a 13 on the die for a 20 total. 
I got a 22 total. Okay. Wit and Kaya, you notice that as your friends approach the bar to grab you drinks, this slender, mousy man at the bar turns in his stool and trips one of the barmaids who splashes drink all over the table behind him. Then you hear several chairs scoot out and a bar fight ensues as people begin pushing each other toward at the bar and it spreads throughout the bar. And I think we'll all finish our rum rations next week. Oh my god. Bar fight, baby. Rum? Hideous Laughter Productions is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Skull and Shackles is copyright 2012. Skull and Shackles and Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. Paizo, Pathfinder, and their respective logos, characters, and artwork are property of Paizo and used with permission. If you enjoy this show, consider listening to our other Pathfinder 2E show, The Bestow Curse Podcast and supporting us on Patreon, where you can get exclusive access to our other actual play content.